Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of Multiple Calls. I'm Scott Hewlett. Are you able to make lifestyle and mindset shifts on your own? Or do you require structured programming with outside coaching, community, and accountability? Maybe it's one or the other, depending on what the area of focus is. What ratio of self-acceptance and self-improvement is healthy enough for you to stay with it? Are you unraveling mental health issues as well as physical? Is it a mountain with a maze on it or a trip to the corner store? If you are in absolute survival mode, waking up tomorrow sleep-deprived, and choosing to run the gamut of social media self-care routines because today is the day, probably isn't going to make anything lastingly better. In fact, it might make the situation much worse. This is what is meant by it's you versus you. It's you versus the things you don't want to do, but it's also you against the unloving and unrealistic critic in your head. It's you versus depriving and punishing yourself. There are days to venture forth and there are days to hunker down and wait at the storm. It's learning through trial and error, getting to know yourself, that you improve your navigation. Be inspired by others, but also be sure you are taking the steps that you need to take. Here's my chat with Sachin Lati. You've done a lot of media leading up to the adventure you went on. Your website does a great job of explaining your background. You've done a number of podcasts leading up to it as well. So I think that really tells your backstory. But I'm really interested to know how you handled having to do all the media during your training and especially during the run. I think that's a good place for us to start. Like you mentioned, I've been doing a lot of social media and a lot of engagement with uh, various different media outlets and engaging with podcasts. And when it first started, it was a challenge because it's not in my wheelhouse, or at least it wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time was in law enforcement for 18 years, so worked for the federal government, so it wasn't something that I understood. But I've been at it overall for a couple of years, and I'd say over the last six months to eight months, I think I've gotten a little bit better at it based upon the motivating factors. I, mean, I, I felt like I kind of had to, like I had to figure it out. I figured, I felt I, and I don't even know if I've got anything figured out. I just found a way for me to authentically be myself to a certain degree and engage with people. So in terms of training and how that affected me while I was training, I think it affected me positively, I think, because it forced me to align myself even deeper with my purpose, connecting with it a lot more because I was engaging with people I probably would never engage with. Like I'm not a firefighter or I haven't worked in that space at all, but I feel over the last few months, I've kind of understood a bit more because I've been engaging with a ton of different firefighters because I wanted to understand a little bit of what you you guys are dealing with and how you're dealing with it. Not that I understand it, maybe half of a percent I understand, but I felt it necessary to do that. So I think through the social media, through the engaging with various different people, both virtually and three-dimensional space, I think it was a benefit for me as a person. Yeah, the growth and exploration part of this entire thing is just in a lot of ways unexplainable. But maybe we can try to talk about as much as you can put into words. You mentioned how the media, obviously, that's a growth opportunity and it's uncomfortable and being authentic and genuine being the goal. That's a great lighthouse or a guidepost, I guess, to draw you into that and figure out how to do it. But you you change then you become through all these opportunities we change, you become different people. So what did you wrestle with along the way during the training and, and then during the race? And do you feel lighter, freer? Do you feel more, more authentic? Do you feel like you're peeling off layers through all this? Do you feel like you're adding things on? Walk me through that. 
I know we're all a work in progress and we all should be on a path of growth and development as a human. At least that's kind of how I'm moving forward in my life now. And I haven't always been that way, obviously, but I'd say over the last three years, I've definitely tried to do much better in various different areas of my life where I was lacking to an extreme degree. So for me to be authentic, what I was struggling with initially is obviously with some sponsors come into play and and things of that nature, I felt like I had to present a certain image that would support those sponsors in, in a way. And that was obviously in my own head, right? No one told me to do anything. No one said anything to me. It was just, oh man, people are supporting and various different sponsors are elevating to a certain degree or at least allowing for what I'm doing to happen. So I felt an obligation to that. And so there was a a moment or not a moment, but there was a, a bit of time and I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest. At the very beginning, I was trying to find that right balance and I, I suspect at the beginning when I started doing some posts and, and stories and these types of things, it might have seemed a little bit, I don't want to say inauthentic because I don't think I presented an inauthentic self, but maybe a little bit outside of who I am naturally, a little bit, like maybe a little bit more held back or hesitant or. Yeah, like a little bit, right? Like, I don't know if people are going to like what they're seeing. It's a big leap to go from a personal figure to a public figure. You saying that, I haven't even thought of that. And I probably should. I just think I'm a dude trying to do something good and trying to get the message out. But you saying that, I think there's truth to that. I'm becoming a public figure, which is weird for me to say. (laughs) I'm becoming a public figure to a certain degree at a very, very, very small level. But even for me to understand what that means is still a challenge. When I'm looking at social media and various different things is like, I have to be cognizant of how I engage with people now and what I say and how I say it, recognizing that maybe they might hold a bit more value in what I'm saying, possibly. I'm starting to, even more so now, reconcile that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a bit of a paradox, I guess, that the general message in our culture is be yourself, be you, you do you, and live your authentic life and all about being who you are. But I still think we're pretty aware that, I guess it goes without saying with the internet and social media, how, how much of a facade there can be placed still on any media that's presented. As much as people say they want you to be your authentic self, I think we're a little bit hesitant and reluctant sometimes because we don't always see that play out in practice. Look, man, it's, it's hard to be vulnerable, man, it, just on an individual basis, just in front of somebody. So to be vulnerable on a platform is a challenge. I think with the podcast that I've done, I think it's helped because it's more of a long form conversation and I can feel more comfortable in those environments being more authentic because I'm just chatting with a guy or a buddy or a friend and it's almost like we're having a coffee and we're just chilling, right? But I think over like, let's say a platform like Instagram, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge in that regard. People don't know you. And they don't really get the time to get to know who you are as a human. Look, and I suspect there's probably a lot of people out there that don't like me. And because I haven't been the greatest human all my life, right? So it's a matter of understanding that for me and still being okay with, look, I'm not a bad person. I'm just trying to do my best in the moment. And if I make mistakes when I do, I apologize for those and move forward. But it is a challenge. I try not to focus on it too much because if I do, I'll get locked up in that. So I just think about it and then I kind of just keep moving forward, if that makes sense. 
I love the saying, don't expect everyone to like you because you don't like everybody. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or in a, on a firefighting level, I always think of just try to have one person at every kitchen table that would stand up for you in your defense if something bad was said, as opposed to trying to have everybody. That's an awesome way to think, man. And I, I don't know if I've ever thought that way, or I don't know if I've ever thought about that. And now that you're saying it, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people who are leaders, you'd want to have those types of people around you who can have that emotional intelligence to see what kind of person you are or whoever that person is. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think most people are good. I think most people are good. Life gets in the way sometimes of our uh, optimal self, how we can be our best versions of ourselves, and be that through trauma or whatever the case may be. Sometimes through those processes, it's like it takes time to figure out who you actually are because all of those things may or may not have happened throughout your life. Look, I'm 45, man, and I'm only now getting to really understand who I am. I feel that. At the age of 45, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. man, even three years ago, I feel like I'm a different human from three years ago. Mm -hmm. Even six months ago, I'm a different human because, and maybe not a lot of people think that way or, or don't see that change in themselves, perhaps. But for me, I'm on s such a high velocity in the direction that I'm going in. I have to be growing every single day. And I just have to be. I think that's what I have to do. Man, six months ago, I'm a different human because I'm just moving in such a rate moving forward that I have to learn all the time. Like just now I was watching a podcast, just trying to take in information just to figure out because I'm starting a new business for myself in terms of to allow myself to continue on the trajectory that I'm on. If that business grows, then I can also use that to help with what I'm doing and then donate and whatnot. So that's a new space I'm in and I'm nervous as heck and I don't know how I'm going to do. And I have all kinds of imposter syndrome and the business that I'm, I'm creating is a performance coaching business. So you would think that I have a lot of knowledge there and I've had a lot of experiences, but even myself, I'm like, oh man, I hope I don't screw this up or I hope I can get clients or I hope I can do this, hope I can do that. So it's, it's a constant effort of trying to be a better person. And I've said a I mean, I was talking about this earlier today. I was on a mental health walk with a group of friends to our walk we usually do every other Sunday. We were just talking and I just kind of was talking to a couple of friends and I was just saying, yeah, I think over the last couple of years, I created a mission statement for my life. For me, that mission statement is I just want to maximize my skill sets for everyone around me. Pretty simple. And if I keep it as simple as that, that means I'm going to strive every single day to be a better version of myself, not for myself, but for the collective trying to move forward if that makes any sense at all <laughs> let's dive a bit more into vulnerability and when you're brought to your limit and i guess we in our, our regular daily lives if we're not doing endeavors like you just took on and conquered we're not bumping up against it maybe as often or as intensely that tends to be when we're bumping up against the blocks the barriers the things we need to break through i got to say when when it, you would post each day about 18 marathons in 18 days and and I'm like, man, he's looking fresh. Like, you just look fresh. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'd have my head down on my arm. You know, this obviously, it speaks to your training. Like, that's like the, I mean, that was my second thought. Of, obviously, he's trained for this. His body's ready. This is why he seems so fresh about it. But what frictions were you encountering during interactions with even family, friends, supporters, and then trying to interact with the public? Was your temper short at any time? Like, what were these things, these demons or frictions you were bumping up against that you had to break through? Oh, man. <laughs> well, thank you for that, because uh, I didn't feel fresh. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it's a valid point. My training was on point for the last year, nine months or so. And I credit that to everyone that's been helping me. 
I have multiple coaches around me. I have my running coach, my strength and conditioning coach, kinesio, the whole, all the things. So credit goes to them for being able to help me through that process. In terms of like the challenges, man, I had a ton, a ton. My support vehicle, I had my girlfriend, right? And it was just she and I, and we've been dating for the last five months. So if you can imagine going on an endeavor such as this would be an extreme challenge for someone who's never been around someone who's been in an ultra endurance environment on a repeated basis. And she herself is an athlete and is a businesswoman. So she's also super independent herself. So for, so there were challenges there. And was I short? Yeah, I was, I was irritable. I was short, whatever it was, it was, it was in my head, but I was dealing with the pressure I put upon myself, like the weight of the world on my shoulders. That's what I did, did to myself in terms of how important it was to make it to the finish line. How important was it to raise as much awareness and money as I possibly could in a 22-day span? So I put all this kind of pressure on me. Like a lot of people may feel, I certain times I felt like, man, people don't understand what I'm going through. People don't get it, this, that, and the other. She and I had a few arguments. And if you're good people and you have communication and it's honest and open communication, anything can get resolved. And she supported me quite a lot through that process and I recognized her for it. That was probably the biggest challenge, honestly, for me. Because the training and the getting out there and being in pain and 38 degrees Celsius, smoke. I mean, you understand the smoke, right? And like, and I've never experienced that kind of uh, environment where the smoke was so bad that one day I had a nosebleed, <laughs> right? So it's so like these types of things. I And I can, like for me, I, I shut that off and I keep moving. Those things are challenging, but for me, those were expected challenges. I had framed those challenges in advance. So the things that I was having challenges with during the whole run was how am I paying for all of this? How am I going to get enough food to pay for all of this? How am I going to pay for the accommodations? Like, So I was organizing and planning on the fly as well. So there are the various different things that happened at the beginning of the run that <laughs> had all these plans, but what's Mike Tyson say, you know, best laid plans are, are all good until you get punched in the face, right? <laughs> like, so I got punched in the face day two. <laughs> wow. So like my girlfriend's car was having some, some issues on the first day. So I had to figure out what to do in terms of managing that problem. But reflecting back and, and, you know, it's been a week and I don't think I've had nearly enough time to reflect on the entire 22 days. I'm pleased and happy for a lot of those challenges. I was able to find solutions within those challenges while I was still doing the thing and still executed against the challenge. So for me, that built a, another level of belief in myself that, I, oh man, I can do a few things. I can manage a few things. And a year ago, I couldn't have done that. I honestly, legitimately, like I didn't have the skills and the coping mechanisms to be able to even do that a year ago. So I'm happy that these challenges presented themselves so that I could figure out solutions in real time and then continue moving and still raise the money and still get the 22 marathons and do all the things. I guess part of the goal going forward is like you're saying to maintain the perspective. Like you've get, you have a lot of perspective right now. You're going to probably gain some more as you go, but to hold on to that, like how do you put this lightning in a bottle and integrate it into your life now? Yeah. I mean, that requires a lot of reflection. I think it was like Tuesday. I met with my psychologist. That's part of the processing. And really those end of day, kind of reels that I was doing is somewhat of a processing or a dialogue with myself to process that day. Going on a walk today with a bunch of friends, that's processing. I'm talking about it right here. I'm processing. I'm talking about it. So it's a, 
it's going to be probably a few weeks before I fully integrate what it, what just happened and how it all unfolded and how I could do things better next time because there's a next time man it's a gift I'm happy that I have all this to chew on now it's like for me it's like a, an education man yeah it's got to be strange to be on the other side of it having had looked forward to it for so long and then be in it but now it's just it's done that you're over you're you're past it so it's got to be strange to be on the other side yeah I mean I've had a few conversations about that it's not I thought it would be like I said, a few conversations with some friends about this and they're like, Oh, are you having that post event sort of crash depression that you would feel or this, that, and the other. And no, because it's not an event. It's my life. That's what I do now. So that run was just a task that I needed to complete in what my normal day-to-day life is. So I don't feel that crash. What I do feel is my central nervous system crash a bit, but that's because of the physical activity and the fatigue that's associated to it. But in terms from a mental health perspective, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm like, cool. I'm still on to the next thing now, planning. I'm living my life, engaging with friends, talking to you. Like, this all part, this all just what my life is now. So many details to figure out leading up to it and during practically, like diet, right, and hydration and sleep. Was that all on point? Were there times where it was failing you? Did your body surprise you? How did it go from a practical perspective physically? So the sleep, obviously, for me, is an issue always. Was I getting optimal sleep? No. Averaging about six hours each night. I think I got uh, one day of nine hours, which was awesome. <laughs> but uh, overall, it was like six, six and a half. And that's, I think, for me, reflecting back, I mean, that's, I was under a lot of stress, right? Like, I, I, I so that I think that contributed to it. Now, from a nutrition and a hydration perspective, it was as on point as I could have had it based upon the training that I was executing against in advance. So I was testing a lot of things out months in advance. Can I get it better? For sure. I can dial it in even more. There's a few things unexpected, like 38 degrees and these types of things I hadn't trained in before. So some things had to be changed on the fly because of those reasons. So as opposed to, let's say, every hour I'm having 700 milliliters of water with 290 calories with 400 milligrams of sodium and all the electrolytes. Okay, now it's 38 degrees. I think I have to up that to almost like 1.2 liters an hour. Little things like that, I was sorting out in real time because I hadn't been in those temperatures before. I did simulate some of the terrain and the difficulty it was. I've been running on the road primarily all year. So for, for 12 months and had done some trail runs and stuff like that earlier, but I had to really primarily focus just on the road because that's what I was going to be running on. So I made sure that all I did was run on either uh, gravel or the road leading up. So I was familiar with that. And in terms of the elevation gain throughout the 22 days, I simulated that to a certain degree. There was a few days where the elevation gain was ridiculous <laughs> and ridiculous when i say ridiculous when you're uh, looking at it from a perspective of 22 marathons in 22 days day 12 there was 1200 meters of elevation gain okay yeah cool not a huge deal on day one right. and that's it right but when you're when you're talking about an entirety my elevation gain was over the 22 day, days again not massive but for me it was a challenge it was the equivalent to everest so 8000 meters in 22 days. So I had to also prepare my body for that nutritionally, physically, hydration, all those things. So I'm pleased with the outcome of that kind of stuff. I think I did a pretty good job. I think overall, there was only one day where I felt I didn't take in enough food because as you can imagine, I was in deficit for the entire time. So I lost about 12, 13 pounds over 22 days. 
I was constantly eating, like constantly. So during the run, let's say I'm running for five, five and a half hours. I'm taking in of my fuel, which was Grupo Nutrition. It's it's a high-end sort of fuel that's used for ultra runners and for athletes and people like that. And I was taking in, in about five hours, 1,200 calories. Right? Now the run's over. I got to make up. Like I was burning Thousands. about four to six. Yeah, yeah, I was I was burning about four to six thousand each day, right. every day. So I'm constantly in a deficit. So I was just eating whatever had a lot of ice cream, chips, bagels, like whatever, which was good. Like I was feeling good with that. But one day I think I didn't eat enough, and I was wrecked. I remember I was running to Lillooet that day in the interior, super hot area. I ran twenty one k the first did the first half and I was like, man, I'm not good here. Like I'm dragging ass. My legs are not moving. I got a bunch of elevation going on here. And then I started getting in my head and I'm like, oh man, this is going to suck. Cause if I don't finish this, all that pressure starts coming out. Like, man, I got to figure this out. So, and then I had my own standards. I got to be running 42 straight every single day. Boom, 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 boom. But in that moment I was like, okay, I'm going to call an audible here, man. I got to, the goal is to make it to the finish line. The goal is to also run 42 K every single day. Right. So I jumped back in the truck, spoke to my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's drive to Lillooette. I need food. Ran the first 21 K took in the nutrition, got to Lillooette, ate a bunch of food two, three hours later. I was like, okay, I'm going back out for the 20, the other 21 K crushed the last 21k like i i could feel the food yeah, made the huge difference right, the right. food made the difference mm-hmm. and then i got out there i crushed it i was like my pace was good it was probably faster than it should have been but i was like oh, i want to make sure this is 20 this 21k is done and dusted for me to recognize from that and take away from that is don't be so dogmatic don't be so rigid be fluid man like water right like whatever the goals are still maintain the goal but whatever i needed to do to execute against that goal make sure it happens so eat some food and get back at it. <laughs> you listen to your body, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And listen to your mind, but maybe not always. <laughs> well, man, that mind part, man, you're playing games, right? Like you're playing games and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this. Yeah. Maybe not 22 marathons in a row or maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a ton of people that do that, but I think in terms of the work that you guys do, I mean, there's challenges, man. Like, I mean, you're in your own head, I, I suspect, and things are hot and burn. I mean, so I was also, to be honest, I was thinking about you guys on some of these runs. I was thinking about the people who were smoke jumping because I was in the smoke and I was like, oh man, this sucks. And then I'm thinking, well, there's people actually in it, fighting it. All I'm doing is running around. So, I mean, whatever. So I was talking to myself that way, right? All these massive fires that were happening, we were just a day or two ahead of these fires. Like these fires were bad, man. Like Revelstoke, the first few days, the smoke was so bad. They were telling people, don't be outside. Like don't actually walk, don't go outside or do any activity. I'm sitting there running 42K outside. It's like, (laughs) I mean, and and I have asthma too, right? So it was also like an additional sort of consideration. It didn't affect me too much, but it was a consideration to have. Was ever a talk about postponing or rescheduling or relocating? Was any of that talked about given the unique time and space that you were running in? I purposely picked August because of that reason. I picked it because that's the worst fire season for BC, usually, typically. And I was doing it in solidarity of everybody who was doing what they're doing. So I planned that well in advance. What kind of guy would I be? Would be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it now because of these reasons that I set out. I, I set those goals out for myself to do that. I mean, it fueled me, man. It, I mean, it, it fueled me. It helped me continue moving for sure. 
I remember back when the adventure racing was huge and the Eco Challenge was a major one. They were in Borneo and there was a lot of major, major long five, six days for I think the fastest teams and they were eating upwards of 10,000 calories a day and like like sticks of butter wrapped in bread, just like ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I understand what you're talking about, about trying to get the amount of calories into you in, in the day. What other runners and events were on your mind while you were running? Were you thinking about other runners, other endurance events, how people got through? Did you look at any other runners and events leading up to it about how to plan this for yourself? How much of it was with you during training and how much of it was with you pushing you through while you were running? Specifically thinking of runners while I was running, honestly, no. What I was thinking about was I've done something harder than this before. Over the last two years, I've pushed myself and challenged myself in various different areas that I never thought in a million years I would be able to do. And I've done some pretty hard things for me. So I think the best tool for me was having my training over the last couple of years, let's say. And when I say training, I'm constantly kind of running. So over the last couple of years, I've tried to find ways to make things harder for me as opposed to easier in the training field, right? So when I got onto the road and had these opportunities, I was like, okay, whatever, we're good. So then also when we're doing these 22 in a row, there were days that were super challenging within that. And then when I got to day 15 and 16, I, I felt like I had, uh, well, my body started adapting at day 15, 16. And, and then it just so happened to, once I got to day 16, 17, now I'm getting into Whistler and Squamish, which is kind of closer to where I live in the lower mainland. So it felt like I was back at home. Whereas like in advance of that, if you've been to the interior of BC, it's like a desert in the summer, man. It's, it's dry as heck. Mentally, that also provided the shift for me where I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm in this area. I'm in, so my body's also adapting. I'm feeling better. I'm back in the lower mainland, quote unquote. These things started happening. And then that, so what I, when I started continue running on those days, I was reflecting back on, let's say, day 10, day 7, day 6. Oh, this ain't nothing compared to what I already just did. Right cool we're good so it was that comparison stuff that in real time i was building resilience and mental capacity through all of this right i mean i think for me i wasn't thinking so much about other runners because those are their own journeys and i am experiencing my own journey now where i've was thinking about other people i was thinking about the people that who've helped me i was thinking about the people that who've been supporting me and encouraging me I was thinking about how this could be used to help others, not just from the charity perspective, but this may sound weird and I'm kind of thinking this way a little bit, but so bear with me, how this can inspire other people, right? How this could uh, maybe show people what's possible given enough time and enough effort and, and grit, right? Like, I mean, I'm 45. I started running two and a half years ago. I wasn't a runner. I was a bodybuilder and a jiu-jitsu guy. And when I started running, I could, I mean, I, I'm an athlete, so that's fair to say. And, and I understand athletic performance and I understand how to set a program. But having said that, it wasn't easy. I was, I could barely run 5K when I first started. Three years ago, I, st I ran my first 5K, like legitimately. And I set a program to run 5K three times a week. And I wasn't a fast dude, man. I was 35, 40 minutes. But it was the consistency of effort and trying to continue to learn and trying to continue to push myself through all the mental anguish I was dealing with, with my own self, my own struggles, my own self-destructive behavior, so to speak. And through that process, I found something. <laughs> I found like 
confidence and, and self-belief in myself where I never really had before. I, my ego was in front of myself, so it wasn't really the confidence that was projecting. It was my ego for most of my life that was projecting. And now I feel a little bit more of a built belief in myself that I've done these things now. And hopefully anyone who's listening to this can understand or at least take a little bit away from that, that, oh, wait a second, this guy was a hot mess three years ago, like a hot mess. And through connection with other people and trying to be around people who are like-minded and that encourage out-of-the-box thinking, I'm here today. And I could have been a statistic legitimately, so I'm not. (laughs) For anybody to think that, well, that's so extreme, there's nothing that I can relate with, I think so many things that you're saying are fully relatable to our daily lives. Like, and this is where people can benefit, even just on the diet end of things. Like, just touching back to that, you saying that I recognize why I was feeling like garbage is because I needed to eat. And people can take that away. Like, well, maybe part of the reason I feel terrible every day is because of the way I eat. Like, if it's that simple of a message and they shift that, that's going to shift who they are as a person. And then, secondly, would be your perspective of always reflecting back on just a day prior or two days prior or people can reflect two years ago like i've been through something harder than this you're not discounting what you're facing it doesn't minimize and it's not like suck it up you just got to deal with this like you can acknowledge how hard it is but it's nice to measure it against other harder things that you've already done right agreed man i think and it's also good to when you're reflecting because i think it's important to reflect man like um if you're not reflecting you're constantly just spinning your wheels but if you're able to reflect on a 12 month period right and if you're even half a step ahead in those 12 months compared to where you were before that's a win man so if you're if you're not reflecting and if you're not looking at how you're ahead whatever that ahead looks like for anybody like for me at the time was it still is my mental health man and for me that's my measuring stick where i kind of reflect back on six months, 12 months, 18, 24, where have I progressed? And when I say I'm a different human, I've made those changes to become one. And I think it's uh, valuable to be able to do that for me because when I second guess myself or I think, oh man, I can't do this thing or I feel like a loser, I feel whatever, because I still think that way from time to time. Maybe the, the voices are a little bit quieter, but I still feel that. I reflect on what I've already accomplished in such a small period of time. And I really do feel, man, like in a million years, I didn't think I'd be here right now. Like in in terms of having a conversation with someone who's uh, across the country wanting to ask me some questions about what I've gone through. So for me, that shows me that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing, I'm doing the right things and I should continue doing the right things And hopefully that helps me, which it will. And then if it can inspire and help someone else, well, that's even better. From a mental health perspective, I mean, a lot of people are probably feeling like they're running a marathon every day for for years on end dealing with mental health issues. So that's for people that haven't struggled with it. It's not always a, well, this comes up, I do A, B, and C, and in a couple weeks it's gone. It's a long-term struggle and how you deal with things. So I guess that would be another perspective people could take away for from what you've done and, and how you viewed yourself and the challenge and and how you progressed through it. Was that one of the key things you were trying to, to drive home for other people in doing this above and beyond the, the charity aspect of it? Yes. I think for me, it was a, a personal challenge. I wanted to see if I could do something. 
I wanted to see what's possible for me. I wanted to see really what's possible from a performance perspective for me as well. I think in conjunction with the charity and the raising awareness, like personally for me, I was a little thinking about my development a little bit ahead of that because I was thinking about, I need to be a better person. I want to be the best version of myself. And how do I do that? So what those 22 marathons for me was a training block, essentially, for my ultimate goals, which are next year in, in, in 2025. And I was having a conversation with my coach, my running coach, Ron Lowen, and he knows what my plans are. And my one of my plans is to run across Canada in 2025 and to see if I can break the record for the fastest run across Canada. Wow. So I'm a dude who just started running two years ago. My coach is like, yeah, bro, you're going to need to do something more than a hundred miler or a hundred K or something to, to really get to that perspective. We came up together as a discussion point. Okay. This training block of 30 days, run a marathon every single day. So you can get to that next level. And then through that conversation, I started thinking, well, if I'm going to do that to elevate my game so I can at least cross into another stratosphere of fitness, let's raise awareness and combine the two so people can watch that journey, right? So people can see, like, I'm not perfect. I'm just such a dude, man. I'm just an average guy who's trying to put a thousand percent energy into a thing. That's also what I wanted to do. It was all of it kind of combined together. And that's kind of what came out of it. I think people would see based on how they train at their level that it would be beyond an extreme for what they do. And you have larger goals. Like you just, again, you're just seeing it as a training block. But, and I think one of the common themes we see with people that achieve what you've achieved now and in the future is that it does take this all in kind of effort. With an all in effort, we're just regular people. You've got a daily life. You have other people around you. You have a family. There are compromises for everybody along the way. So, how did it impact the family? Were they aware of this as a training block and, and the future endeavors? Or was it more of a, okay, this is a short period of time, we're going to get through this, and then life's just going to go back to the way it was? What was the conversation around that with your family and your loved ones? I'm divorced, separated and divorced over the last four years. And I think that's what probably precipitated a lot of my reflection and, and thinking about, okay, how do I become a better person? So having said that, when I started on this journey about two years ago, I <laughs> So my, my ex-wife primarily has our daughter, right? She's six years old, but I see her, pre- like they live five minutes away. So I see her very often. So I had an open dialogue with her, my ex-wife, and with her mother, because she's very involved in, in helping raise our, our daughter, and also with my parents. And I had a very open dialogue. I said, okay, over, over the next couple of years, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is what I'm going to do. And these are how, how I'm going to do it. Now, I understand what I'm saying. But for them, they're like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. So when I first initially had that conversation, like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then things started getting real for them, right? Not for me, because I was already going through these things. So I was constantly trying to have those conversations so that there was no anxiety for them. Because the priority is my daughter, right? And being the best version of myself for her. So part of this is also me becoming the best father I can be. I'm not a billionaire or wealthy person or any of these types of things. So for me, I think the greatest gift I can give my daughter is showing her by example, what's possible, what you can achieve, given a a purpose, if you have a purpose in life, and if you figure out how to execute against that, then over a period of time, hopefully, my daughter, when she's old enough, she can see, okay, I can do anything. My dad just did a, did a thing. So to answer your question, it has been challenging, but I think I'm 
happy for those challenges because it helped me understand how to communicate better in in a family dynamic that isn't confrontational and argumentative. Yeah, it was a challenging for them and me and everyone involved for sure. But it's my job, man. I got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, joined you along the way? Did anybody join you for five, 10 Ks for a whole day? Did anybody jump in? The first little while, because we were kind of in far further areas and Ashcroft, where on our ranches, is kind of remote. It's hard to have people close by. But once we started getting into the Whistler Squamish area, then it was a lot easier. So a buddy of mine in, in Squamish, Angus, he's a trainer out there, and he joined me for about 15, 20K when I was in Squamish. My girlfriend, she joined me for some of the runs. She would run 10 or 15 some of the days, and towards the end, she ended up challenging herself and did something she didn't think she was able to do. She ran 22K with me. Yeah, so that was cool to see. And then my strength and conditioning coach, he also came up to Squamish with his girlfriend, and he ran a little bit with me, and he's a 240-pound big dude. <laughs> so he, he ran, I mean, he didn't run a lot, but he ran a distance that was significant for, for what he had been training for. And then when I was in the Lower Mainland, the Maple Ridge area, a buddy of mine, Travis, who's a Surrey firefighter, he came out with his wife and ran about uh, 10 to 15K with us. Yeah, so there was a little bit little people here and there jumping in. I can do with or without that. Like, it's not a huge deal for me. I can, I can run on my own. It's, it's fine. But it was nice towards the end to have these people join me because it did elevate me and did make it a lot more fun. And for me, sometimes when I'm on my own, it gives me a lot of time to think and think about how I can do things better. And then I get ideas of other things I want to do. And it was cool, man. Like I, I, I'd be running around and I'd say, oh, there's a fire hall over there. Let me go see what's up with those guys. And I'd, I'd go drop in, say hi, and just do things like that and go to the RCMP detachment wherever I was and knock on the door and be like, hey, how's it going, guys? And just let them know what I was doing. Because I think it's also in some of these smaller areas that for me, I can only speak for myself, but if someone came and was running across the province and said they're doing it for this specific reason, I'd be like, oh, man, that's cool. Like it's just kind of a morale booster kind of thing. So that's kind of what I was trying to do as well. Yeah, I was wondering also if there was an angle of sometimes it would be like you feel like you have to host and be social while you're doing something incredibly hard. Someone drops in for 5K and I'm chatting your ear off for the whole 5K and you're day 12, you're deep in it, you're in a rough place. And I'm like, let's, you know, let's chat it up. This is great. This is awesome. And you almost <laughs> feel like you're like you're renovating your whole house and you and people are constantly dropping in as guests and expect you to like feed them. And that's sort of the perspective I put on. So I wonder if there was moments of that as well where it would be a joy you want to have people be happy about it but there's also got to be moments where it was challenging and people are a, lot, are a lot fresher than you were in the moment yeah for sure there's moments like that but when those moments come up i try to think of it as an opportunity to be better in that moment so man these people came out for me and, and to lift me up and encourage me it's not so much for them to run whatever it was they wanted to come lift my spirits so i tried to think of it in that way let them know hey man like i'm if i'm not talking too much i'm not talking too much just kind of doing my thing People understand. So now let's say a couple of years ago or a year ago, I'd be like, man, F this. You hope to evolve and grow and have more empathy. And I never really tried to have too much empathy for people because I was so damaged. But now I try to at least put myself in other people's shoes because things have been more fruitful experiences by doing it that way. It's amazing that you would still have a deep capacity to hold space for people in one of the most challenging things you've ever done saying where you came from and then where you are now that you maybe you did find more capacity to hold space for people because of what you were doing 
I'm just always trying to flip things multiple ways and see it as the challenge you had to go through or did the thing create it or was that always there for you and you're always a person that was able to hold space for people? No, I was never a person that would hold space for people. That is a thing I've had to work on over a long period of time and over really the last couple, three years. And so I've been practicing that skill set, to be honest, over the last little while. I would randomly engage with people that I may not know just to sit down and hold space so that I can get better at it. So for example, let's say a year ago, I would start messaging people on my Instagram that may live in the local area, maybe acquaintances through Instagram. I'd be like, I'd hit them up, DM them. Hey, you want to go for coffee? And just meet them in person, just talk and chill and have a conversation with someone I thought was kind of cool based on what I saw on their platform and hold space in those environments. Now, at the beginning, when I started doing that, it was challenging as heck because my ego was so out of control. But I think over time, I've gotten better at it. And I understand intellectually why some people may want to come run while I'm doing a thing. Internally, it's hard for me to understand. But like as a person, I understand, okay, I get it. So I try to embrace that. It's coming from a place of love, I think, when people are wanting to do that. And for me, I want to be able to encourage that and not knock it off, if that makes sense. I just want to acknowledge how cool that is that if you're not a person that is normally able to hold space for people, you would think rationally, like a lot of people would would make this line that if you go and now do something incredibly challenging where you're at your limit, you're probably going to be a worse person during that time starting out from what you said, not a great place, you think it would actually make you a worse person. You you be a worse version of yourself. But I just love how this shows again and again how doing even more work or even pushing yourself beyond what you think actually makes you a better person even when you're starting from scratch, so to speak. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, man. hundred percent. This just I just an idea just or not an idea, but a thought came to my head while you were saying that. And I think what's really helped me over anything else in terms of from a mental health perspective and and really helping myself is service to others, like in advance of everything else. Like, And I'm not the best at it, but I'm trying to do my best at it and, and think of others well before myself If because I've been selfish for 42 and a half years of my life. And so for now, I want to be able to figure out how do I not be selfish? So a bunch of friends of mine over the years have been like, service to others is what will help you, right? And so I'm just adopting some ideas that are probably millions of years old, right? I grew up in a Sikh household. My parents are Indian and service is a fundamental piece in the Sikh religion. Not that I'm a religious person, but I grew up in that environment and not just service, but selfless service. The term's called seva. It's one of the tenets in the faith, selfless service, not expecting anything in return. Just do the thing because it's the right thing to do. So I'm just adopting that sort of way of living. Seems to be helping me. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how we can be surrounded by all the right messages and all the right pieces, but until we're ready to come to it and like legitimately embrace it, it's not going to click. It's so nuts. Like, I mean, I'm 45, man. I've been hearing all these things. I've read books. I've done this, that, and the other. And only until I had a rock bottom and drove my life into the ditch, I was like, okay, I, I probably got to figure out how to do this better. 
And it's been a slow process over the last three years to really get to this place right now. And, and look, man, I make mistakes every single day. Oh, I hear you. I make massive, <laughs> I make massive mistakes all the time, bro. I hear you. Yeah. But, uh, but what I try not to do now when I make these massive mistakes is beat myself up about them because I used to do that ridiculously. And now I still beat myself up, but I don't beat myself up to the same degree where it's going to spiral me into a, a, a way that's going to be detrimental to myself and others. And I recognize, okay, what did I do wrong here? How did I mess this up? And then how do I do it better? And then just keep moving forward. And that's it. Okay. I think this is a super key thing that maybe people haven't considered that would give them a lot of serenity would be that I think I have thought and other people have thought, maybe still think that if I do the work, right, the personal work, all the things that the things that come up the way my mind reacts, the way I think, the way I feel, that that will stop and there will be a new way of being. And part of me has sort of come to realize that, and I think you touched on it so beautifully, is that the reactions still happen. Like maybe that will never, ever stop. Maybe it's so hardwired in you that when this happens, that's reaction. But your recovery from it and the way your mind flips to a new way of thinking of it, the, the faster, that just happens faster and you come out of it so much quicker. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's absolutely fair to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, so, so let's say if something affected me for a week, maybe it affects me for a day or two now. I think the goal for me is anyway, is to have those um, whenever these things happen for me is to have the duration of angst be shorter and shorter and shorter as much as possible. I don't think it's ever going to stop, man. I mean, we're humans, right? And we feel and we have emotions. And those things happen. So I've just tried to figure out a way to still move forward in a positive direction. And I guess if you mess up and you screw up and you do bad things, I think the first step is acknowledging them and owning them and then saying, oh, how do I do better? And then start taking actions to do those things better. So being a better observer of yourself, a better mentor to yourself, as opposed to observing yourself and then shaming and guilting yourself for it. Absolutely. Because I mean, what I recognize now is like, what do I get out of crapping myself other than feeling worse? I don't get better. I don't, uh, I don't correct the behavior. I just feel crappy about myself. And then maybe if I'm feeling crappy about myself, then how do I not feel crappy? Well, then maybe I'll go grab a drink or maybe I do something stupid. Right. So finding those tools for me was huge, man. Like finding additional tools to be able to mitigate those reactions so that they don't last very long it's been very beneficial to think that way for, for sure linking it maybe to the law and enforcement side of things is it a are you a strong person when it comes to justice and fairness and do you think you apply it to yourself too that so i screwed this up now i need to punish myself for x amount of time because that's the justice that's what's owed or earned but then what's the timeline of that how heavy is the punishment how long are you going to carry that when are you going to give yourself parole and reprieve and when you, when are you rehabilitated? So I don't think we necessarily think about it in that regard. Like we just think, okay, well, no one else is going to punish me for this. I, I know this happened in my head. So I'm just going to punish myself for what some undeterminable amount of time. Is that, is that explain things properly? Maybe. Yeah, for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, 18 years in law enforcement and certain way of thinking in that environment. And I've been away from that environment for a couple of years now. I think very differently and, Everyone makes mistakes, and who am I to judge anyone? I've made probably more mistakes than anyone else. <laughs> At least that's how I think. I've done some really stupid things, and 
if I dwelled on those to a degree that it would slow me down or hinder me from progressing in a you know, with forward momentum, then man, then I don't run 22 marathons and raise a ton of money and well, ton of money for me and try to achieve certain things. Those things don't happen because I'm so within myself. And as soon as I started thinking about other people, I got out of myself. And when I think that's what the service does, right? Like if you're thinking about service, you can't think of yourself. You're thinking about other people. And then the selfishness kind of goes away because when we're really beating ourselves up, I think it's constantly thinking about me, 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 me. I'm this, this, this. As soon as you look at the, your neighbor and be like, how can I help that person? What can I do for them? How can I serve that person? Thinking about yourself stops. <laughs> Right. So I, I recognize that and it's funny, man. I, I credit my ex-wife to this, whatever it was, four or five years ago. She goes to me like while we were going through our stuff, she's like, you're selfish. And I was like, I got all my backup. And I was like, F you, this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. And then after reflecting, I was like, man, she's right. Like a hundred percent. It was probably a, a few weeks after she said that to me, I was like, man, I, I need to start changing some behaviors here to figure out how to not be so self-centered and thinking about myself all the time. I'm sure you've talked about the charity quite a bit, but maybe we can't touch on it enough, right? It's people that are out there trying to raise awareness and funds to help people. We can't talk about it enough. So maybe touch on that a little bit. And are people still able to donate? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they accept donations at any time, but connected to the run, how is that sort of transitioning? Yeah. So I'm a full-time volunteer for the Honor House Society. So have a link in my bio so if someone makes a donation they get the tax receipt and i'm constantly talking about them so it's always happening always open always collecting the charity is called the honor house society it's based in new westminster bc it's a small charity one employee and what they do in new westminster they have a massive house that is able to hold about six or seven families if a member is struggling like as you can imagine there's remote areas in bc and then if medical attention is required in, in whichever sort of psychological or even physical heart disease, all these types of different things, they can come down to the lower mainland free of charge, stay however long they want and stay in that facility as a house with their families as well and get whatever treatment they need. People have stayed there upwards of a year just to kind of get whatever treatment they require. So that's the Honor House Society. Now, my uh, main focus this year was for Honor Ranch. And it's a facility in Ashcroft, BC. It's about a three and a half hour drive from the lower mainland of Vancouver. And it's a ranch on 120 acres with 10 cabins. It has a lodge, full functioning commercial kitchen, all the, the nice things there. And it's remote enough and it's high up enough that it's so quiet. And it's the perfect place for people who want to just get away and recalibrate for a week, three, four, five days, whatever it is, you can go there anytime. With your family free it's not like it's not like don't pay like it's just for us to use so it's on 120 acres beautiful area the money that i'm raising goes towards helping build an additional cabins they're trying to build another 10 so they can have 20 in total and other modalities of uh, therapy to have there eventually i think their grand opening was in 2019 but the pandemic kicked off so it slowed a lot of things down and so they have a lot of goals and visions over the next 10 20 years for that 120 acres. That place is available to anyone who's a, a veteran, first responder, emergency personnel, actively serving or retired to utilize at any time. And if you want to have a retreat there that supports these members, 
we set it up as a retreat as well. So it's it's for all of us to use whenever, no matter which province you're from. And the eventual goal for the president who's created that charity is to hopefully one day have one in every province. I've made a commitment to help the best way I can and in whichever way I can over the next however many years to help make that possible. Definitely not a runner. I, I've, I've been a, I'm probably exactly where you were a couple of years ago. It's like, I don't run, right? Like I'll bike all these other exercises like i'm not a runner and so but man if we are able to ever connect i'll run with you for sure I'll, I'll let you take me on a run and maybe introduce me to the to the world of it but i'll be coming to ontario next year to start my next challenge which will be from thunder bay to victoria beautiful so i'll be doing that next year what that looks like i don't know but that's in my that's in my head right now i want to kick off next year from the terry fox memorial in thunder bay and run to Victoria to the Th- Terry Fox Memorial in Victoria. That's also would be another training block. It's about 3,100 kilometers from Thunder Bay to Victoria. And the tentative plan, like this could change a little bit, but the essence will be to run about 50 ultra marathons in a row. Let's say 60K a day for 50 days to raise that awareness. And so maybe next year, man. That's a good timeline for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. <laughs> Roger that. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Just to touch just practically on one more thing as you're giving me kilometers and I'm saying, how are your feet? Like how do they hold up? Have you thought about running? Do you do any barefoot running when you trail run? And that's not possible on the road. How do you deal with footwear and how did your feet hold up over that time? Overall, all things considered, my feet held up pretty, pretty well. My training was pretty good. I think now having said that I was beat up, right? Like I'm not going to be unscathed through that. Plantar fasciitis was a problem and I lost a toenail the first second day. <laughs> not a big deal. But in terms of running barefoot, sure, it's great. And maybe I'll get there one day. But I prefer to use tested methodologies to improve balance and proprioception in my feet and ankles. And I've been given various different training plans from my coaches to kind of use those things. But essentially, it's a lot of like single leg kind of lunges and like things that are designed specifically for endurance running and feet and ankle development so that the feet and ankles can handle the workload and then in terms of shoes like anything else it's an experimentation on oneself to figure out what are the best shoes for myself and also for the task at hand i mean man, i have like 20 pairs of shoes that are always getting used but what i i took two pairs not two pairs two brands with me on this run asics and on on cloud ones i like the on cloud monsters but i used them only for one day on the entire 22 days because i was like oh these aren't the right shoes for what i need to do because my feet were mangled so i needed uh, something a little bit more of support and a bit more of a rocker and more cushioning because of what i was doing if i was a one-off marathon cool the ons were fine so i used asics glide ride three i went through two pairs in august those were great for me because, like I said, the the cushion and the stability in the foot and ankle area was needed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love the post that you did about, hey, I was recommended by my trainer, like, take a day off. You're like, ah, no, I'm going to the gym. So what I'm not doing is strenuous running or, well, any running for now because I went for a two-hour walk and I'm kind of tired right now, to be honest. But what I did do is I hit the gym. I did like a 20-minute spin just kind of keeping the blood flowing, having fun. So probably next week I'll, I'll probably hit the mats and do a little bit of light rolling on the jiu-jitsu mats just to have fun, get that central nervous system back in check. Hopefully in the next three, four weeks, the plan is to start really ramping up and start 
training again for for what next year is going to hold and I kind of want to build off of what I've already ba- created a base for. So like I was running about a hundred miles a week leading up to the August challenge. And so I'm not going backwards. That's not how I work. So I need to go forward. So I want to start again at a hundred miles and see what we can build it to, which is, let's say a hundred, 160 kilometers. So let's see if we can build that up or stay at 160 K and then see, get faster with that 160 K. Lastly, are you to make your training program available to people? Like what if they wanted to come on your website and go, how did he go from no running to today? Yeah. You know what? That's a great idea. I didn't even think of that, but there's going to be a lot of, not, I don't want to say a lot of changes, but there's going to be some updates to the website because I'm going to be entering this new performance coaching space. So I'm going to be changing a few things there and then adding a few things. And I think that's a great idea. And I think what I might do moving forward is, put up my training blocks. I mean, I do have Strava and I've been putting up all my runs on Strava and everyone can see what I've done and pacing and all that kind of stuff. So if anyone wants to follow. But even diet and hydration, the whole thing from start to finish, here's how you do it. Yeah, but but again, so I I can do that and have no problem sharing all that information, none whatsoever. But I think maybe I'll, I'll caution people is that that's specific to me. It's unique for sure, right? But almost like just a snapshot of like, this is what this looks like, right? From zero to 160, this is what it looks like. Yeah, you know, I'll probably be posting a lot once I start getting that new training going on. I think it's a great idea. And I think I would love to be able to share all that information to show people, hey man, this is kind of what you what I need to do to get to this place. And And three years ago, I wasn't even touching any of these kilometers. So no, thanks for the suggestion, man. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a note of that, actually, nice. <laughs> so I don't forget. <laughs> Anything else you want to cover before we sign off? No, man. I just want to say um, thank you for the opportunity to share whatever I did and being part of the community or me being part of your community as well. I, I, I track all the stuff that the Multiple Calls podcast is doing, and I appreciate the support of what I'm doing. My commitment is to continue growing this, continue moving in a direction that is positive and hopefully inspires others. And who knows, maybe two, three, five, ten 10 years, we're able to raise millions of dollars for the community in a, in a way that supports a ton of people. So that's kind of what's in my head. And, and I have astronomical visions and goals that I'm working towards. So I'm on a 10 year plan, really, and I've only executed against two. So I got eight more years to kind of get after it. I believe based upon my work ethic and the surrounding people around me, and by extension of that, the social media presence of everyone that's supporting what I'm doing, man, we're going to crush it. Well, I know a lot of people during this time and you know into the future are going to be tugging at your shirt like, hey, 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 can we chat? Can we chat? But man, the invite's open. And really, I want to like, I think we should be chatting regularly every six months or so. I mean, we'll, we'll chat more often just informally, but I mean, like this, right? Let's lay something down. Let's talk. Let's keep people involved and aware of what you're doing and, and getting your message out there. And it's super important. So uh, whatever we can do to help support it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And for sure, uh, I'll hit you up or you hit me up or we hit each other up and we'll make that happen every single time. Awesome. So how can people reach you? Obviously, you're on IG, but maybe just give your how people connect with the website. Maybe drop some information about the charity. Just drop it all for me. So my Instagram account is at such.in.motion. Primarily, most of my social media presence is on there, but I also have TikTok at such in motion. I have a YouTube channel, which I'm, uh, I'll be starting to really flush out over the next few years uh, at such in motion again. The website is www.suchinmotion.ca. What else do I have? I have threads now at, at such in motion there. I'm just, I'm trying to activate every platform and, and, and be there, but the primary one that I'm active on all the time has been Instagram just because it's, I've been using it for a couple of years now. And it seems to be a platform that 
is focused on a certain demographic and also it's visual based and I'm kind of a visual person and I look a certain way, I speak a certain way. So I'm capitalizing a little bit on that. And so, yeah, those are the platforms and the charity itself is called the Honor House Society. I have a link in my bio, the link tree in my bio. You can click on that. There's um, a link there that you can go donate directly to Honor House. It's a GoFundMe that's connected to them. So when you make a donation, there's a Canadian tax receipt that you get. So everything is all squared away in that regard. Awesome, man. I'm glad we were finally able to connect. It's really good to see you and I'm glad you're doing so well. Thanks, brother. I appreciate your time. And yeah, man, let's do it again again.